This podcast is part of the Podcast Arcade Network. Thank you for listening to the Covert Nerd Podcast. I really appreciate the time that you give me. Before we get into the episode, if you can think of somebody that would like this topic that you're about to listen to, please pause the podcast and share it with them. You can also go to covertnerd.net and look at previous episodes and different ways that you can get in touch with me. Let me know what you think. Without further ado, let's dive right in and nerd it up. Nerd fans, we got a, a fun episode today talking something maybe a little more obscure that a lot of comic book fans may or may not know, but Valiant Comics from the 90s. I've got Matt D from Kids and Comics and the 60s Reboot. Right? Am I get the titles right there? Hello. Ah, close enough. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, Matt Matt pinged me and said, "Hey, I want to talk some Valiant Comics because one of the previous episodes we had mentioned it, but really didn't dive into it." And you're right, Valiant was was huge in the '90s. So Matt, let us know maybe a little bit about Valiant Comics in the in the, especially in the '90s. Okay. Well, uh, you can't talk Valiant Comics without talking about uh, the guy who shoots from the from the hip. Jim Shooter. Yep. Okay. Jim Shooter was editor in chief for Marvel Comic Books, and around 1987, 88, somewhere around there. Yeah, 88. He left. Yep. Okay. He uh, he left Marvel Comics, and um, there was this big this big hoopla about it. You know, apparently there was a lot of uh, bad water under the bridge. Or somebody burned a bridge going out there. I, I can't think of any other bridge references to, to Jim Shooter. <laughs> what you might not know is that Jim Shooter's from Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh's one of those places that has a lot of bridges. But ah, um, a, he he burned them all. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um. So him and some friends of his um decided that uh, Marvel was going up for sale, and Jim Shooter's like, "Well, I'll just pull all the money I can possibly get." get all my friends, all these investors, and we're going to buy Marvel Comics. And uh, apparently the the, de- the deal fell through. Yep. He got outbid by somebody. I think it was Ron uh, Ronald Perlman. Yeah, Perlman okay. outbid him. Think about that today. Marvel Comics was in such bad shape that they were going to get bought by an individual. When you, when you think about Marvel now and Disney and all that, that just seems unfathomable. I know it's 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 like it it took a million dollar corporation to buy out Marvel comic books now, um, or at least in the early early two thousands or late nineties. Yeah. I can't remember when Disney bought them, yeah. but yeah, yeah. Anyway, okay. You know, the deal fell through, and then uh, Jim Shooter sitting there with this this pile of money. Now I don't know about you, Lee, but <laughs> if I have a pile of cash that big, the first thing I'm thinking about doing is I'm starting my own comic pu- publishing company. Sure, why not? Is that what you think of? <laughs> That's what I think of. Yeah, yeah. Hey, it's, so, it's the uh, 80s, man. We'll, we'll do all sorts of weird things. Yeah, I mean, he probably could have used it to, to go down to the corner of drugstore and buy a whole bunch of, uh, I don't know, methamphetamines. Yeah, there you go. Cocaine. 80s, man. No, it's cocaine. Exactly. Cocaine. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so he ended up creating Valiant Comics. The The series was... Started off with Magnus the Robot Fighter and Solar the Man from Adam. And I want to say there's a couple other titles there, but they were all classic gold key comic characters. Like yeah. he got the license for them. Yep. And so 
I think that's where I'll hand it off to you, Lee, so you can tell a little bit about Magnus, the robot fighter. Like you mentioned, he bought some of these old titles. It was just a great idea because, like Matt said, they've got these this new comic book company, so you don't have the back catalog like Marvel and DC going back to you know DC going back to Superman, Batman in the 30s and 40s, and Marvel back to Captain America in the in the 40s and 50s. So you got to remember they've got to start all from scratch. There's no universe building. They're, they have to start their own universe. He went back and purchased these old gold key comics. Magnus the Robot Fighter was one of them. And that was a comic book that ran back in the 50s, I believe. 1954 is when it started. And the premise behind that is it's in the year 4000. And humanity has become dependent on robots. So very much, this is very much, the writer was... Uh, Jim Shooter what did the writer was the writer on this kind of reboot, very much influenced by Isaac Asimov. They got the three rules of the robot, and they've got this robot police force in this sector called North Am. So the city covers the entire continent of North America. So it's this mega city. There is Magnus, the human in this, was trained from infancy by a robot called One A which is the first robot that was ever created and it became self-aware. And so he trains him up to become this martial artist expert and his skin is really hard and he's really strong. He can basically rip robots in half with his bare hands. It's very cool. I, I love how the art style and you can tell it's very 60s-ish, I guess for lack of a better word. Yeah. The robots are very kind of awkward looking i guess but not for that time period so this is very much what your grandparents viewed the future would look like everything's a utopia everything's flying you know no there's nothing no there's no roads here we don't allow roads in the year 4000 it's it's and, crazy because it's got it's got that that pulp sci-fi feel that you would see in the old pulp novels you know and yes and yeah it's definitely got that that 50s era style to the art as well as the storytelling i mean I, I can't remember who wrote or who did the art style for the first magnus but it looks like if you were to open up a 1950s comic book and there's you know 1a and i it was funny because growing up i had dyslexia oh so i would always like transpose numbers and letters so for the longest time i always thought he was a1 oh. and a1 steak sauce yeah <laughs> you're like how am i gonna fit that on a steak <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it's it's so cool. So I mean, some people might get turned off by it, but I, I think it's kind of fun just because that whole era of comic books and just storytelling in general was very utopia-ish, I guess. They had their their view of the future was very positive. You know, that humankind yeah. was gonna conquer the universe and there was gonna be no pollution, no war, blah, 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 that type of thing. But what they found is on on the uh, kind of the premise of is that the robots some so one a became self-aware but other robots in in north am became self-aware and we're going to overtake the humans and so magnus was created to take out these these robots and uh, to try to prevent the robot overlords from killing humanity so it's it's a pretty common storyline no nothing new <laughs> here as far as the concept but it, it was just a fun, fun story. I kind of I like Osimov and iRobot, the whole iRobot story. So this kind of hit hits every 
hits every liking that I that I like in a, in a story. So I thought it was was fun. Again, I should preface before we went live. I was not a big fan of Valiant Comics back in the '90s. This came out in '91, by the way, and I was a bit of a, a Marvel image DC snob. So I thought, what is this, this valiant upstart company? I don't, what is this all about? And so I didn't discover this until about five years ago. So this is all new to me. And I was like, there's actually some fun stories here. Yeah. And you know, I read this in the nineties and I, I gotta say, I went to valiant for the stories and I went to image for the art. So there's a lot of great stories written for in, in these titles. And, uh, I, I, I kind of wish I was a little bit like you, like you just discovered this like five years ago. So you had like this whole wealth of, of stories to, to, to read for the first time. Whereas I, I go back and reread it. And I'm like, yeah, I remember the story, but it's just, you know, it, it, it's still captivating, but it's not like reading it for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it looks nineties ish. I get, I get, shouldn't say nineties ish, but before the age of digital animation or digital art, you can tell oh, yeah. this is all hand drawn. Definitely. And then I think the coloring was still pre pre digital coloring. I think I know, so. Yeah. I know when image hit the when image hit the ground running, they had um they had Malibu's coloring, uh digital coloring that they used. Yeah. And that, and so I think that that was kind of like in its infancy. So this is like ninety one, so it's not yeah. quite digital colored yet. So you still have some of that classic stuff. I mean it's not as not as crazy as some of the uh what's it called it's, it's not kirby dots but it's like they use that dot pattern to kind of color oh, things yeah that was yeah that was like in the 80s or 70s wasn't it yeah but yeah so i it's, remember it's just, they redid some or somebody redid some something like that for x-men i forgot who it was but they tried to reproduce that it's kind of funny that artists today are trying to do old style art from the 70s and 80s now but in the <laughs> yeah. 90s we wanted all that gone. <laughs> Go figure. Yeah, we want everything flashy and, and chromium and, and, and yeah. gold plated. Yeah. Even, yeah. even the, uh, the, somebody was publishing a comic book. You could buy the newspaper edition. So it had used, used the old newsprint paper. Okay. You remember from the eighties. Yeah. And I remember in the nineties, nobody wanted that. They were going away from it. Now it's kind of in to go retro and, and get a comic that's printed on that stuff where it kind of bleeds all the lines and stuff. So, yeah, but yeah, that they didn't do that on this, but still it's a, it's a fun story just to go back and check out. And of course, you know, it's interesting that it, they take the, the typical, you know, man versus machine, the rise of the machine kind of thing like like you would see in the matrix or terminator but they kind of it's it's like not quite the robots have completely taken over i mean there's no. still societies there and you know magnus is kind of like the guy to prevent uh the the, the robot uprising yes. and i don't want to spoil anything for you because you probably i don't know if you how far yeah, you've gotten into the into the magnus but oh no it's i've read like the well like the first 10 or so issues 15 issues so i'm not clear through yet but you can spoil it it's fine okay so post unity now i'm gonna i'm gonna take a little tangent here i'm taking this onto a tangent here okay with uh with with the valiant universe but because they took these gold key characters and they expanded the universe jim shooter came out with unity and unity was the big crossover that was going to help form the universe and and make all these characters 
interconnectable. And then after Unity happened, there were some explanations that where certain people got their powers and certain characters were introduced, but they also introduced the Malav race. I think that's pronounced right. And they were a robot race that was trying to take over future Earth, the 4001 AD Earth. So now Magnus not only had the regular robots he was battling, but now he had alien robots that he had to fight in order to save the world. Nice. Awesome. Yeah, this is they. Uh, yeah, I should say yeah that not all the robots became aware. I think it was ten million or so out of the billions of robots became self-aware and were trying to rebel against the humans. So that's that's how they how they did it. Oh, here we got uh, Kurgan in the chat from HeroQuest on Twitch. Hey, awesome. Hey, yeah, Shazam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a uh, it's fun. I'd highly recommend somebody go back and check it out. You can get, I'm sure you can get the, get this in trade paperback. You probably can even get the gold key ones. So if you're a fan of retro, I definitely, definitely check it out. It's, it's pretty cool. Just looking back at just that, that style of art, that style of storytelling, just the imagination. Jim shooter did a good job on these first few issues of keeping it pretty, pretty much like the original fifties and sixties style and storytelling. Yeah. And if you think about it, I think that was about the time that he was growing up. So I'm sure he probably just went to the back of his oh, room. Oh yeah. Back. I mean, he started writing comics when he was 18 years old back in like the 1970s. ish. Yeah. I think you're right. There. You're right. So he would have been, you know, 10 years old when this came out or something like that. Oh, and I should mention, I think I read someplace in my research that Valiant comics was the first company to do the zero issues which i thought was kind of fun and now everyone's doing zero issues yeah I mean, half, half I, they were doing half issues i remember <laughs> yeah. back in the 90s it was like crazy that's all i got for magnus the robot fighter speaking of magnus and speaking of jim shooter so i'm gonna i'm gonna get back under the under the shooter the shooter line here jim was kind of pivotal in creating the valiant universe he took Magnus, he you know, built this whole this whole huge world of, of comics, uh, of these different characters. And then he came out with, like I said, Unity. After Unity is kind of when he fell to the wayside of Valiant, and Bob Layton took over. And I think it was, again, another thing like with Marvel, where Jim Shooter left Marvel Comics burning his bridges or, you know, getting kicked out of Marvel. But uh, all of the investors basically kicked Jim Shooter out and Bob Layton took over as editor in chief. And about that time, this big flashy company called image was coming out and they had Bond and young blood and all this cool, like, you know, Hey, we're the rock and roll version of, of comic books. Yep. So, uh, Bob, Bob Layton. And, uh, I think, I think it was Jim Lee ended up becoming pretty good friends. And there was somebody else in Valiant that was good friends with Jim Lee. So they, they got talking and they're like, hey, what if we kind of teamed up and made a, a crossover, you know? There's no there's no other independent companies out there that are crossing their characters over. So they got this crazy idea that they would take some of their characters from Image and some of the characters from, from Valiant and smash them together. And that's when they came out with Deathmate. Yes. Which is a really cool name for the 1990s comics, you know, Deathmate. This cover, Matt just totally encapsulates yes. early 90s if you want to know what early 90s image comics look like this is it 
And you are totally oh. right. Image was the company to be part of back in the 93, 94, 95 timeframe. Yeah. I mean, they were, and you think about it. I mean, you had, you had Todd McFarlane and Jim Lee, you had, you know, all these big names. Rob, are, are Rob now, Liefeld, you, know. you had Dale Keown, Mark Silvestra, Silvestri, uh, who did Savage Dragon, Eric Larson. Uh, Eric I mean, Larson. Yes. <laughs> I mean, sheesh. Um, so these these rock and roll artists teamed up with with Bob Layton and their, their his team of writers. And oh, again, this wait. goes back to the whole. Hold on, Matt. Look at this cover okay. by Rob Liefeld. Look what's on the cover. There are feet. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry. They're a little disproportional, but they're there. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Um, I just noticed that. <laughs> well, he has, he has a jumping scene. Both characters are jumping up. Okay. okay um, good point. So, uh, oh, God, where was it? Okay, so. I'm sorry. Death I Mate. really distracted so you, you there. <laughs> not a problem. So, yeah, it comes down to, it's like, okay, so we have Deathmates. So we have these really great writers who are doing great things over at Valiant, and we have these artists from over over an image. And when I first heard about this, I thought, hey, this is going to be kind of cool because we're going to have characters written by um, Valiant who has this, what I felt, personal opinion, I felt that Valiant had some superior writers. And then drawn by some great artists some fantastic artists so i bought issue one of Deathmate, and issue one is, of course isn't numbered none of the none of this these issues are numbered because marketing goes well hey let's do something different let's 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 instead of doing numbers let's do colors so they came out with the Deathmate prologue and in the colors red black yellow and blue and then they had the epilogue. It was a six-issue story arc. Three of the issues were going to be published by Image Comics. Three of the issues were going to be published by Valiant Comic Books. The Valiant ones, the prologue, the blue, and the yellow came out on time. Uh... Unfortunately, <laughs> the black, the red, and the epilogue were delayed. Yes, that was Image's kind of kryptonite. <laughs> exactly delay after delay after delay and you know the biggest delay was red uh deathmate red because it was drawn by extreme studios oh rob liefeld yep, yep. rob liefeld he was notorious for being late exactly and there's a story there's 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 a story that was told by bob layton in an interview um on another podcast that i don't i don't want to plug because it's not the covert nerd um <laughs> that's okay you can plug whatever not, you want <laughs> and it's not mine oh, um, okay bob layton was in uh i want to say he was he was stationed in new york city and of course extreme studios is out in la so bob was tired of waiting to get the pages for Deathmate red so that he could you know finish up the story so he flies from New York to LA. He's standing outside of Rob Liefeld's house as Rob is finishing these pages up and he's knocking on Rob's door saying, Hey, I need these pages. So Rob is like passing these pages to Bob Layton and Bob's going to go check himself into a, a hotel so he can finish the storyline. Oh, I just thought, wow, man. that is. <laughs> That's dedication. Yeah. That does not surprise me. I think Eric Larson and probably Todd McFarlane were the only creators at Image that were on time or, or darn close. Now, you got this as it was coming out, right? 
back in the yes. 90s. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's what I thought. It kind of sucked for me because I knew the end of the story because I got the epilogue before I got the red. Oh, issue. really? So they released the epilogue before the red? They didn't hold hold it back? Nope. They were like, you know what? Let's just finish the story up and the red will hit the shelves when it hits the shelves. Oh, and I, think I at didn't that know point, that. Yeah, I think it I think at that point Valiant was just like, you know, I'm tired of this. Let's just let's just finish this off and then we'll get we'll move on to bigger and better things. That's interesting. I I didn't know that. Now I remember seeing this in the catalogs. I thought it was kind of even though cuz it had image in it, so of course I was kind of a an image fanboy, so I was kind of interested, but I just wasn't sure and I never did get it. But didn't isn't this the one that had the coupon? Or a separate issue? Is that right? Uh, I don't think so. I don't remember seeing a coupon in the book. Maybe that was something um, else. Maybe I'm thinking something from Image had a, a coupon for like an, an extra issue that uh, that came out. So I, I might be wrong. but I, Well, not... I know like three or four of the original Image creators had a – they all had a coupon in their in their first couple issues of their book. And if you get – Collected like all four of the the coupons inside. You got a free image comics zero. That's probably so, what it was. Okay, for some reason I thought Deathmate had something to do with that, but I gotcha. I could be wrong. Okay, sorry yeah. about that. I was I was just trying <laughs> Not to a problem. clarify here. But the it, art, I, I mean the art, and the, how's the story? I guess on this. Okay, well let me break the story down to you. Yeah. So yeah. you know we mentioned Solar the Man of Adam, who was the original Gold Key comic book character. Yes. In the Valiant Universe, he's basically dr manhattan he's a nuclear physicist who gets superpowers and suddenly he can do all this really cool stuff he's yep. he's basically dr manhattan he has a wife and in the future in the year the the old age of 2064 um his his wife who looks you know the same as she did like when she was in her 20s said look i can't do this anymore i've been living like this for nearly 100 years i'm ready to die so solar's like okay so he takes evidently he had imbued some of his you know uh nuclear power into her so she could stay young forever and she just got tired of it so she said you know it's time for me to die he couldn't stand losing her and so he has this weird power where if something goes wrong he partitions off part of his brain and it creates another aspect of himself so this other aspect goes and flies off to another universe in this void space Whereas Solar just kind of spends the rest of his time doing whatever he does. Well, this other aspect goes out into this, this space, this void, this area in between universes, and he runs into the Wildcats character named, oddly enough, Void. Yep. And there, he kind of falls in love with her, and they kind of co-mingle. And when a daddy universe <laughs> likes a mommy universe... <laughs> They come together uh, and they have a baby universe. Baby universe. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where the Deathmate universe comes in. It's like this giant explosion of them, of both of them kind of wrapped together and like all these characters come together. So it's an alternate now, timeline, I guess, or alternate universe. Exactly. They like split off. I, you do like the whole whiteboard with Doc Brown showing, you know, Marty McFly and him Marty. on the regular. <laughs> exactly. So kind of the same thing you know we've got two universes coexisting at the same time and they kind of split off and they merge we get some interesting characters blending together so we've got like like here on the screen here we have uh, the harbinger characters from valiant with uh rob liefeld's brigade characters and 
Mark Silvestri's Cyberforce characters. And there's this like cool little storyline where they're trying to get um, Jeff, the Geomancer, who is aware that the whole universe is falling apart because apparently when this baby universe is created, it only has a limited time. Oh, okay. So, so each, each issue then it looks like to me focuses on a character or team from Valiant and then a character or team from Image. Is that accurate? Pretty much, yeah. Um, okay. The whole prologue set up, sets up the idea that only two people in this other universe, and that was Jeff the Geomancer, as well as uh, Rob Liefeld's character, Prophet, know that this universe is going to fall apart. And so okay. they're trying to do something about it. Um, there in that panel on the top left-hand corner there, that's Jeff the Geomancer. Oh, this um, black shirted guy with the bull haircut. Yeah. 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 Okay. And what's neat about him is he can, he's, he's called the Geomancer because he can, he can hear the earth talk to him and he has like these magical powers, but he's trying to like get a hold of somebody to help him, you know, save the universe. This is a fun, I'll have to maybe check this out. I've, it's one of those where, oh yeah, I saw it in the early nineties. I've seen it off and on for the last 30 years just never bothered to pick it up and hey you know maybe they, they actually finally got it uh released so you know it did, almost took uh, rob Liefeld 30 years right <laughs> exactly <laughs> oh man valiant though from what i read was really studious about getting you know getting things out on time and quality they were it seemed to me very business very jim shooter maybe that comes from jim shooter he was very studious and really hard deadlines and really push the artist to try something different. Yes. Yeah. He was, he was all about meeting deadlines. And I think he, he imbued that in, into his, um, into his company because there are stories of when Jim was first writing these and setting up the, the, the whole, the, the, the whole Valiant universe and, and pushing these books out that he'd stay at the offices for like hours on end, just, doing inking and, and filling out the rest of, of, of panels with, uh, you know, the dialogue balloons and stuff. So, I mean, he put his heart and soul into this company and he kind of carried that kind of carried on into the rest of the, um, the, uh, Valiant unit or the, the, the people that made the, the books. Well, that makes sense. Cause he was an editor at Marvel. So editors of notorious for, you know, about organizing deadlines and people and things like that. So that, that makes sense. Now that right. now that you mention it, so Liefeld and all those guys from Image probably just drove him absolutely batty because they couldn't get stuff done on time. So that's that's probably why Bob and and him and just the whole Valiant company was not not happy about these delays. I wonder, you know, they were, they were put this together with Image if they kind of decided to. Well, maybe Image was so new, maybe they didn't know what they were getting into. They were just hopping on the Image bandwagon and hoping they could pull them across the finish line, so to speak, to get <laughs> to get them out of the gate, you know, selling some books. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Image they, they Image definitely bit off more than they could chew when they first started. They oh, they, they did didn't know the the business angle. They didn't. Yep. You know, they were like a bunch of hotshot guys that were like, "Hey, we can make our own money on this stuff." Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I read many articles on that, that they were, they they came out the gate shooting and really hard, but 
but then they found out the business aspect of it. You know, they're artists, they're not businessmen. And they right. found out real quick, the business aspect of comics is very difficult to navigate. And so that's why you saw image. They, all their titles, the first two, three, four issues were written and drawn by them, but then they handed it off to somebody else because they had to go handle the business aspect of it. Exactly. Yeah. That's a good, good book. So how many issues on this crossover? Uh, it's, it's six issues. They were really valiant and image were really pushing hard to, to get, to get these books um, advertised. So they came up with um, two preview issues and they were produced in the previews world catalog and the advanced comics world, the advanced comics catalog. And they were two little side stories that were supposed to help like lead into the prologue. When you read them, they really don't lead into the prologue so much and they kind of oh. stand alone. And when we read the red issue, one of the characters is not doing anything that was part of the main storyline. So it, it's Ooh, really kind of weird. Some continuity issues there, huh? Exactly. Oh, okay. And oddly enough, it was Rob Liefeld's character and Rob Liefeld's <laughs> story that kind of was not part of the continuity. I, oh man. That I, I I'm, I'm, I'm only, I pick it on Rob because yeah. it, it was the nineties and it was the nineties. He, he was yeah. an easy target on, on some things. I mean, not, don't get me wrong. The guy contributed so much to the comic universe back in the nineties. You really can't take too much away from him, but some ways like, like these deadlines and just his art, it's okay. But, uh, you know, mouths and feet, you know, it's just, yeah. he, he has a certain chest. style that just is really sticks out. Yeah. Chest, yeah. big guns, shoulder pads, yes, pockets. We need more, po yeah, more pouches, more guns, more explosions. But again, he fits perfectly into the nineties, but he, was part of the reason we had those types of thing in the nineties, because that was just what really stuck to, to kids and people that read comics in the nineties was more guns, more explosions, more pouches, <laughs> more shoulder exactly. pads. So, <laughs> yeah. Oh man. I well, like that. I, That's awesome. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to pick apart a little bit of, of, of red. Um, sure. Yeah. Here we got it, red right know, in front here. Yeah. 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 This is so, the delayed one, right? Yes, that's the delayed one. It came out after, and it's funny because I think I think it was just an excuse for Rob to draw a few of the characters that he liked at Valiant. Because I mean, he right there on the cover, he created this art style with Bloodshot, and I think he just really liked the character because you know he's 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 featured on the cover, and then I think the first six pages are drawn by Rob, and then everything else is done by characters and artists in Extreme Studios. Um, I don't know if I sent you some of the pictures, but there's a, there's this character die hard. That's a, a Rob Liefeld creation. And they gave him a Cobra commander kind of mask. And whenever he's jumping around, like the mask doesn't quite flow right with really with um, the direction that he's jumping. You're right. So, that is a Cobra commander mask. Yeah, and I don't know, just the way that he drew it later on in some of the some of the issues, it's like if he's jumping to the left, like the mask is going up instead of to the right or something like that. It's just it's it's really really odd. You're right. And um, the story itself, you know, he it was kind of neat because he did introduce some other um, valiant or not valiant, but uh, other image characters in the 
universe. Oh, wait, wait. you got a foot back. I, I'm getting get a little distracted here, but this is the 90s. And I don't know if you remember the, the 1993 um, presidential run, but there was a, an individual named Ross Perot. Oh, that's and, him. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, if you look in the Deathmate universe, Ross Perot is president. That's awesome. <laughs> what a fun way to just put a little pop culture in there. And he's getting assassinated, it looks like, or they're going to try to snass it. Oh, that's awesome. Ross yeah. Perot became president. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. July 4th, 19. Yes. Okay. That's funny. Good catch um, there. I was trying to figure out who it was. Like, that's got to be somebody from the early 90s, some political figure. I was thinking. Bob or not Bob Dole, but uh, Dan Quayle. But now that you say Ross Perot, I'm like, oh yeah, that's Ross Perot. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> Love it. The Deathmate Red storyline was a little weird because it featured a lot of Rob's stories, a lot of Rob's characters, and very few of the Valiant characters. And there was a character that he was he created called um, Prophet, and Prophet was kind of like this guy who could tell i mean he was like a he was a mercenary but he like had these other special powers where he could tell when things were off i never quite understood prophet his character was supposed to help the geomancer character but they never never met in the red book everything that that red had to do with deathmate it, it wasn't there it, it was just just a cool um I want to say it was it was like a cool little art book for Rob Liefeld to, to draw these characters. The story, in my opinion, felt a little lacking with yeah. the overall story. Yeah, they that sounds so. Rob Liefeld wrote it and drew it. Is that correct? Uh, no, actually, I think Bob Layton wrote okay. a majority of it. So it sounds like maybe they were having some trouble getting the story and the characters to all fit in a six-issue series. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So maybe they should have done eight issues or ten issues maybe. <laughs> then then issue ten would be coming out next week. Yeah, next week. Um... <laughs> 28 years later. <laughs> oh, man. Um... So is that, I mean, is that th something you think would have made it better is doing maybe eight issues? Was it too rushed or too pushed? I think, yeah, I think it was too rushed. I think what might really have been better is kind of like what I first interpret, what I first thought about the book was that if they had just had used the writers from Valiant to write the storyline and then give the, give the scripts to the image guys and have them draw everything, oh. that would have been a phenomenal storyline. Now, I do want to point out, though, that there are some phenomenal um, artists over at Valiant. For example, Barry Windsor Smith, Joe Casada. And I know there's another guy I can't, I can't think. Oh, Bob Hall, Bob Hall. Oh yeah. Bob Hall. Yeah. Nebraska so, native Bob Hall. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Image was known for the art. So just let them do the art and then have Valiant do the writing that you're right. That probably would have been a better, better uh, use of their talents. Yeah. Now what I thought was really neat is, uh, and I'm, I'm going to go back to the, the prologue book, but the art was done by Barry Windsor Smith but it was inked by Jim Lee. Oh. Now just think of today, how crazy it would be to get those two guys to do a comic book together. I mean, Ooh. just to, just to have Barry Windsor Smith inked by, by Jim Lee. That's I a mean, good idea. <laughs> yeah. I don't know that you'd ever get Jim Lee to do it because of the DC. Exactly. Deal. But you know, 
hey, crazier things have happened, I guess. Exactly. And, you know, this is part of the reason why I think death you'll never see Deathmate reprinted is because half the characters that they were you that were they were using were Jim Lee's characters and now Jim Lee is off to DC. Oh yeah, Wildstorm um, Productions. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, and I believe Dark Horse currently holds the rights to all the gold key characters. So your oh. Solar, your Magnus, I'm trying to think Turok, all those guys, their copyrights are held somewhere else. So oh, yeah. Oh you're right. So they're never going to see a reprint. I, I assume they've got this in trade paper. I assume they did this before they lost the rights to it. Do you think? Or can yeah. you get oh, it? Oh yeah. The, this was all done in the nineties. So, I mean, I had a hard, I had the issue, original issues, but I sold them on eBay a while oh, back. Okay. So I had to go out and find some other way to read it. I'm not going to say how I found it because <laughs> I, don't want to get in trouble. Yeah, um, no, I understand. Did Valiant or Image ever put these in a trade paperback form in in the early 90s, do you know of? You know, I don't know. I wonder if they did. I'm looking on Amazon right now and I I'm not gotcha. finding it. So I don't I don't know that they did. So the value on these might be actually pretty good. If, yeah, I was uh, just say I know uh, about 5 Five years ago, as part of my big, hey, I'm getting rid of stuff to make room for uh, kids and stuff. <laughs> yes, other stuff that's you know not comic book related. Um, I believe I sold each book for about eight or nine dollars each, and I think the okay. cover prices was like four ninety five. Yeah, so, yeah you they know. were for nineties comics. I mean, they printed a ton of these, so that was just kind of the run. Yeah, I'm not seeing it anywhere so maybe they didn't so not uh, just a, a little tidbit here valiant in 1993 won best publisher over the five percent market share becoming the first publisher outside of marvel and dc to do so for a little while valiant had some market share and some some clout i think it was like i think 93 was just at, i mean image just came out so i mean they you know, Valiant was already established. They had two years under their belt. You know, they had mm -hmm. their, they had their their Magnus. They had their Solar. They, they had their their stuff set up. So I mean, you can see where okay, they were an up an up and coming um, independent. Company. Yeah, they're yes, independent. independent company. So, so. I, here's a here's a prediction: If Image would have waited another year or two, do you think Valiant would have been the the go to place for independent? For artists, you know, maybe, maybe in another universe, you know, Todd McFarlane, Jim Lee, Mark Silvestri would have went to Valiant instead of starting their own company. That would that would be an interesting alternate reality in a in, yeah. a, in a universe of madness. You would say, <laughs> I would say. Uh, looks like Valiant was the first one to do chromium covers. Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. It's it's funny that it it seems to like help flood the market when you know <laughs> with the big bubble. I mean, you had you know you had Ninjak, you had Exoman oh, yeah. War Zero with a with a Chromium cover. You Turok had, had a Chromium cover. Yeah. Ah, uh, gosh. Oh, Magnus, the robot fighter, like issue twenty five had like this gold embossed cover. So they were 
you know, they were playing with covers before they had these multiple variant covers that are, that are available now. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know they did the Chromium covers and the zero issues. So the company had some, some redeeming qualities. It just, for whatever reason, I just didn't pick up on, Oh, okay. Here I found it. Harbinger zero pink was a coupon send away. So to get the pink issue, the zero issue, you had to send in, you had to buy, I think some other Harbinger comics. Let's see. Harbinger one through six, each originally contained a coupon for redeeming Harbinger number zero, the pink version. About oh, okay. 3,000 to 3,500. So only about 3,000 to 3,500 were in circulation. So that's makes it a very rare, valuable comic. That's cool. Okay, so it was Valiant, the, the first one to do that. Cool. Ah, okay. I, I thought they were the ones, but I couldn't remember if it was <laughs> Deathmate or not. Okay. Okay. Cool. Nice. I learned something new today. Yeah. Okay. All right. Fun. All right. All right. Well, well um, any more on Deathmate? I don't think so. I think I, I, I kind of got, I think I kind of encapsulated most of Deathmate. So, okay. Um, well, I got a what couple. other cool characters are, are, are on, on your plate? Well, I got two more here just briefly. So, like I said, I, I just discovered all of this Valiant Universe five years ago. And one of them that stuck out, speaking of Turok, was the Turok the Dinosaur Hunter, which is, again, another gold key comic from... Actually, no, I'm sorry, not gold key. It was uh, from Western. Western Publishing. They did the... I don't know if you remember those... Uh, oh, no, I'm sorry. It is gold key. I don't know where I was getting Western Publishing from. Uh, gold key comics from 1956 to... 1982. Hmm. Wow, it ran quite a while. Oh, yeah. Anyway, they uh, so Turok the Dinosaur Hunter is a Native American that went to this valley of the lost land, kind of like a lost land, a lost world type of time or uh, location where he fights dinosaurs. And it's just a not, fun. Not book. at all derivative. Not all derivative of, of the Savage Land from, from exactly. Yep, yep. Marvel copied this. Yes, copied this. Well, I think it was who was his name? The guy that did Tarzan, and or wrote Tarzan and um, all that. Uh, what else did he do? He uh, uh, Edgar Mars. Yeah, Edgar Burroughs. Yeah. yeah. So that's where this is. I think the concept came from. But anyway. He's fighting dinosaurs and it just going oh, all the, all these crazy adventures. Turok the Dinosaur Hunter number one came out in let's see from Valiant in let's see I'm gonna find that here 1993 Ooh. July of 93 and it had the chromium cover so we can thank Valiant for all the crazy gimmick covers of the 90s <laughs> I guess because they were all chromium or foil or something like that but so. Bart Sears did the penciling and writer was David Machini, Michelney. I don't know if you pronounce his name. Uh, very good. I think that's, I think Dave Michelney is the same guy that did the daredevil series with Frank Miller. I think you're right. I yeah. Might yeah. have to look that up. Yeah. Yeah. I think he might be, but it's a fun concept. He's in this dinosaur world and killing dinosaurs and there's other, other 
barbarians and savages. They even do a crossover with Magnus here. They get invaded by robots from another time and alien robots. Well, I think this is where you were talking about where they did the the crossover, I think, if I remember correctly. I've only read issue one and two, so I'm I'm not well versed in in the universe, but Magnus does play a part in this. Also, Rye and Exo Man of War. There, there's kind of a little crossover going oh, on. Oh, you know but... what? Now that now that you're flipping through this, I think this has ties into the the big Universal Unity Saga. Yes, because... it does. Yep. Yeah. So you know, it's interesting that Bart Sears has a very unique um, art style. I mean, he does very and uh, very reminiscent to like you know big muscular um anatomy and very very strong with with the the ink lines you know to get that that definition of tone in the muscles and and the definition of shadows on the faces it's really neat to see his art style it is it's a it's a cool i like his art style i i'd never heard of him before until until this but I know he's done a lot of work in the 80s and 90s and early 2000s. I I should have uh, pulled that up on it, but I know I did some research and I don't recall right offhand what he's done, but I know it's pretty extensive. But uh, but if you like dinosaurs and <laughs> you like uh, guys killing dinosaurs and just a fun alternative world, lost world type of storyline you'll like to rock the dinosaur hunter i remember it more from the nintendo 64 video game that came out that was really popular and so i don't i didn't really know i kind of knew it was a comic but never really looked into it any further but uh, i remember that video game that that was pretty popular back in the back in the 90s so well you know speaking of it being a video game the main reason why there was some valiant characters as video games is around 1997, 98, somewhere around there, Valiant Comics was um, sold, and it was bought by Acclaim Studios. Yes. Uh-huh. And that's where you get the Turok video game. Uh, I want to say there was a, a Shadow Man video game. I'm, yeah, I'm not sure. I think, I think there probably was, yeah. And uh, there's a couple others that titles that became used because video games were trying to get more ip so that they could create so they could start generating more money more titles basically. yeah 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 so. smart idea and i'm sure valiant well acclaim made a ton of money off of but unfortunately it led to the demise of <laughs> most <laughs> of the comic book characters that that yeah. were in the early 90s but you know still uh let's see yeah, so I, Bob Layton was the editor on this one as well. So a fun title. The other one I picked was Rye. So this is what's this one's kind of fun. I I really like the robot future type things, but Rye came from Magnus the robot fighter. There's a just a very brief mention about this New Japan. Because all the Earth is covered in these mega cities, well, this new Japan built a giant space. Well, started out with a small space station, and then over the centuries, it just grew into this giant mega city in space that was the size of Japan. 
in space. <laughs> and in the, space. <laughs> in space. Yeah, exactly. And so that's where this came from. Just a brief mention in Magnus's kind of origin or history is this new Japan that's in space. And so they came up with this character. It's in the same timeline as Magnus. So it's the year 4001. Japan has begun to consume every square inch of free space within the island nation. So they go to space and build this whole world that uh, is up in space. So Rai is the spirit guardian that protects the nation of Japan in the 41st century. The mantle is normally passed down from father to son. He is cybernetic. He is a actually a future derivative of bloodshot from the early timeline, early Valiant universe. He's kind of the advanced version of bloodshot. He uses, you know, nanobots and nanotech to heal himself. He's really strong, moves really fast. And the world or the universe is run by what they think is a benevolent AI. But as we know, AI is never benevolent <laughs> in these in these scenarios and doesn't have the best interest in mind for humans and so he finds out that he's been working for the working for the devil all along so <laughs> and the AI is called father I mean we're already again you can already tell where this is going to go so anyway he is the he is the has to turn against the the AI and save the humans and so it's kind of a fun fun story that came out in 1992 but I just like the concept of taking an obscure sentence in the Magnus universe and creating a whole universe out of it oh yeah so very fun fun story that uh, the artwork it, it's good I don't think it's as good as maybe uh, as Turok I don't remember who the artist was on this one. Let me find that out. Oh, I don't have it. It's probably on one of these pages here, but it, it's a little more, it's still good, but it, it seems a little blockier than, than maybe my liking, but I still think the story's fun. The art's still very good for, for, uh, for the time. And uh, so, yeah, I think it's, it's a good one to check out. They did reboot this back in 2016 and i really i i like the reboot better than the original in my opinion i think the artwork's better the story's better it it just seemed to flow maybe maybe it just maybe it doesn't hold its age for me i guess but the reboot is really good so if you don't want to go find the original just find the reboot that they did in 16 and 17 and you'll you'll like it they have that all collected and it's still ongoing as far as i know nice yeah i i haven't read the reboot yet but i do Did, remember reading the original rye that's what i was just gonna ask you so you read this originally yeah in fact i have it sitting right here next to me oh it's uh this nice little trade paperback oh nice okay rye. Yep. Yep. and of course this is this is this is the rye that takes place after your rye okay uh, storyline Okay. But they, again, with the whole with the whole zero issue. So when they when they launched these trade paperbacks, they put um, not zero issues, but companion issues. Oh, and okay. I, again, the, the whole blurriness of the screen. I'm sorry, I That's got my okay. blur set so you guys. But uh, the companion actually has 
Bloodshot in it, and it tells the story oh. of how how Bloodshot gets his um his special nanite blood so that he becomes a superhero. So it's okay. it's a good read, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, what what were your first impressions of Rye back in the day? Do you remember? Uh, yeah, actually, I thought it was a, it was a really cool concept because I mean we're talking about a samurai warrior who's for generations has been protecting Japan, and now we flash forward to four thousand and one A.D. and there's this protector guardian who's fighting robots with a samurai sword, you know, yes. and he's got he's got this special these special nanites in his. I can't remember if the, if the nanites were in his blood in the, the original series. I think yeah, but, I think they were. Okay, so he's got these nanites in his, in his in his blood that helps him control and take take control of the different aspects of of this giant city. Um, and I don't want to spoil anything anything too much <laughs> with this giant city, but when you think of Japan, what mythical creatures do you tend to think of? Serpents and dragons. Exactly. <laughs> and later on in issues, you find out what really the this this floating city looks like. Yep, <laughs> yep, I know where you're going. <laughs> and there's a lot, a lot of that reminds me of of like Voltron and, and stuff. And oh, so you see some some yes. some transmogrification because <laughs> we can't use the term transformer <laughs> because it's copywritten. Uh, but the the planet. The, the space station kind of shifts and morphs yeah. and it's it's really cool concept. Well, i think you can use it they used it in space balls oh yeah that's right yeah. <laughs> it's a transformer. Yeah, it's <laughs> uh, anyway yeah so you liked it too i guess i okay so flashback to the early 90s matt's young and liking all these valiant comics give us your Maybe top three, top four Valiant comics from the early '90s. Oh, geez. Um, well, Magnus is definitely one of them. Okay. Um, Exo Man of War. Okay. Now, I didn't, I didn't grab any Exo Man of War, but that's fine. He he was brought in a little later, like during the Unity Saga kind of thing. But it's a cool concept. It's an Iron Man derivative. Yep. But instead of it being a Tony Stark, it's a Visigoth from early roman times who gets this super uh this super iron man suit that's part alien and when he busts out of this alien spaceship where he's been captured it's the present day so he's it's got man out of time with an alien symbiote suit so he's like a vike he's like a a, a visigoth with hey jesse Kiefer. hey jesse uh, <laughs> It's a it's a Visigoth with a Venom suit and an Iron Man suit, all like rolled into all one, mashed together. Yep. Uh, and then the the next title I would say was probably Shadow Man. And, oh yeah. Uh, Shadow Man was kind of neat because he was a voodoo demigod crime fighter. Yeah, I also never played... I never read it, but yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, and he's also a sax player. <laughs> wow. What a combination. That's Bob <laughs> yeah. Hall creation, wasn't it? Bob Hall creation. Yes. Him? Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, those are, those will be my top three of okay. uh, the Valiant stories. All right. Yeah. 
Shadow Man. I kind of forgot that. Yeah, that that was another one that was just all all new, just like the Rye Exo Man of War, all of that. Yeah. So Jesse makes a good point. Yeah, the remake, modern Exo remake, was epic. So like you were talking about. Yeah. Yeah, very He Man esque. He Man esque. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I I read the remakes. Uh, okay, okay. So here's a good question for you, Matt. Uh, have you have you read a lot of the new Valiant the last three, four, five, six years? I I I must admit that I've only read a handful of titles just because you can't see it here because I got the whole screen blurred. But I've got a stack of books right here beside me uh-huh. of stuff that I need to read yet. <laughs> I so understand. I understand. My, my time and my reading is is kind of like okay. I got I got to cram some stuff in here. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I so. I totally get it. I. I read the the new Unity that they did. It was really good. The Rye was really good in my opinion. Now I'm not. I'm going to dog on Ninjak a little bit. I just couldn't get into Ninjak himself, but I liked okay. him when he was in Unity with the group, you know. But by himself, I just couldn't get into Ninjak for some reason. I, I don't know why, but that's just me. Uh, Faith you- was a good one. I liked. I kind of liked the Faith comics. She was part of Unity as well. And let's see what else. Um, uh, Britannia was another valiant, so it's not part of this superhero, but Britannia was really good. But uh, but yeah, I really liked Rye and Unity. They theirs were kind of the the good, the ones I really gravitated towards, and then Faith. Gotcha. Well, now if I can pick your brain a little bit, the, the Unity that they re- relaunched was that was that just like a group of superheroes trying to save the world, or yes. was there more of a okay? So was it was Exo, Exo Man of War, Ninjak, uh, Eternal Warrior, uh, Li- I think it's Livewire was her name, and, and a few others. So those are the ones that that come to my come to mind. Okay, that's uh, but yeah, I, I thought it was a good good team. So it's like X Men, Avengers, whatever you want to call it for the <laughs> for the Valiant Universe. So gotcha. But uh, you can pick those up. I mean, you can pick up a lot of these other than, like I said, Turok and Deathmate can't pick up because it's just too many licensed IPs. That's interesting. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, that that's a, a rarity. Yeah, that... so if if you're at your local comic shop and you're flipping through those uh, those dollar bins and you come across an issue of Deathmate, I'm going to suggest pick it up for that dollar because yeah. I'm sure in a couple of years you might be able to turn it around for uh, a decent penny. Yeah, that's one of the few 90s comics that actually probably has inc- will increase in value and has increased in value. <laughs> Unlike the all the image stuff, you know, the Wildcats, the Youngbloods, all those that there's 10 million copies of it and uh, it's gone down in value. <laughs> you picked it up for $1.95 in 1993 and you can still buy it for $1.95. So... All right. Well, well hey, uh, Matt, uh, anything else you want to add? Otherwise, I think we've we've gone down memory lane as far as Valiant Comics go. Okay. Uh, yeah, there's one last thing I want to I want to mention, and um, I'm gonna go back to an episode that you talked about comic cards. Oh yeah. Now, not only was Deathmate a comic book, but it was also some comic cards. Really. And nice. I have yet to sell these off, but okay. I'm gonna, have you got the whole I set? I got I got like the whole set oh, of cool. comic cards. But what's really neat 
is that they had chaser cards. So oh. you had chromium. Oh, cool. Chromium cards, as well as really? your standard. Now, and what's did, neat... did those come right. in just little packs, or how, how did they come packaged? They they came packaged like you know your standard baseball cards. You know you had packs okay. and you had your like... chase cards to go and get. Okay, but so like ten really... of them or something like that in a pack. Okay. Yeah, but what's really neat is that it took they they took panels of the storyline. So if you didn't get the issues and you got the cards, it at least gave you like the story breakdown and then it broke down the story for you it was it was a neat little concept but they only did it for the valiant issues the the ones that like the 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 prologue the blue the yellow all that okay so like like i got one on the screen here is that one of them yep that was one of them okay like jim lee did oh there's die hard with his hoodie (laughs) yes okay okay all right so, but I just wanted to throw that out there. So there, there was ah. there was some valiant comic book cards that were available at at, at some point. Tops so. did those. Okay, fun. So they <laughs> really didn't put a lot of thought of them into them. That sounds like they just took panels and put them on a card. Then, yeah, the yeah, they took some okay. panels. Okay, took, they took the covers, they threw them on there, and, yeah. and you know, okay. they basically just try to find another way to tell the story. Okay, and get the story out there cool though i like that that's actually the art's not too bad on those oh yeah huh. there was okay there was a lot of cool like jim lee and mark Silvestri art in the in the series oh yeah yeah i mean you can't go wrong with jim lee i mean some people dog on him as a, he's an old timer but i mean he is an old older guy but you <laughs> can't take away from his art no no not at all come on <laughs> all right well thanks matt it was fun talking old valiant Maybe we'll have to dive into some newer Valiant at some point. And because uh, like I said, I still, I still like some of the new stuff. So if, if you can get through your stack of stuff, <laughs> we can try a, exactly yeah. try another episode of uh, maybe some of the newer Valiant. I like that. I wouldn't mind talking about the Britannia series. That was really good. And the new Rye. Those, totally. are, those are fun. So I definitely yeah. talk. Uh, there's not I'd a lot to. of Valiant fans out there. So we're, we're kind of rare even today. <laughs> yes <laughs> oh man okay all right well we'll go thanks for everybody in the chat jesse and kurgan and anybody else appreciate the feedback but uh we're signing off matt uh real quick how can people listen to your podcast or get in touch with you well um i'm on the emc network and i have two shows that or I actually have three shows there but two with my voice um I have the 60s Reboot podcast, which I admit I haven't released anything lately. And then I have Comics with My Kids, where I talk about this stuff, comic book stuff. But it's geared more towards kids, so you won't get a lot of the uh, a lot of the Dark Knight Returns stories <laughs> that I like to talk about. But I'll talk more along the lines of, of comic family-friendly comics, like Hilo. And uh, a new episode we're going to be releasing pretty soon is the one on... Uh, you got to look over here... Uh, Wings of Fire um, book series. So, yeah, there's, they're, they're more geared towards the whole family. Sure, sure. Okay, cool. All right. Well, hey, thanks, Matt. I appreciate it. And we'll have to do it again sometime, and we'll uh, talk more nerdy comics. <laughs> Anytime. All right. Thanks, Matt. We'll sign it off. Thank you, everybody.